couple of Saturdays ago, I was having lunch with some friends, and we were talking about our weekend plans. One of my friends said, "I get really bad Sunday blues," and explained that each week, as Sunday as Sunday goes on, she gets more and more anxious about the work week ahead. She asked, "Have you heard of Sunday blues? It's a real thing." I hadn't, so I looked into it, and I learned that it's also called the Sunday Scaries. My Google search took me to the Urban Dictionary, which is this crowdsourced online dictionary for slang or kind of cool words, and it defines Sunday blues as when it is Sunday, you have school the next day, presumably defined by a student. There was a hyperlink on the word Sunday, and I thought, why does Sunday need defining? So I clicked on it. And it defines Sunday this way: the last day of the weekend, and is usually ruined because of the thought of another dreaded Monday. Then Monday was hyperlinked, and it calls Monday the most dreaded day of the week. A study done in the USA revealed that out of a thousand people, more than eight in ten people feel more anxious on Sundays in anticipation of Mondays. And of these people, 95%, which is pretty much everyone, says it is related to work stress. So this means about eight in ten of you who are watching this live or watching it on Sunday, you are feeling some level of anxiety about tomorrow. And this stress isn't just felt by those who don't like work. Even people who love their work reported a sense of anxiety. Some said it's caused by expectations on their performance or caused by the high workload. Some are stressed by a relationship with their co-workers. Even worse, some worry whether they will lose their jobs, and we know that this worry has just been worse by the pandemic. Maybe you can relate to some of this. We know as well that for some of you, you want to be employed, but you aren't, and that is a huge source of stress in itself. It's important for you to know that God cares about this so much. The Bible has a lot to say about God's heart towards work and the purpose and meaning of work. You know, we spend so much of our time at work. We spend actually about half our waking hours at work, and God wants to be part of your work. Because if God is only relevant to you in the 10% of your life when you're engaged with church everywhere or community group, but then absent from the 90% of what you do, then we live a very limited and compartmentalized faith. God is active in everything, in all areas of our life, and work is one key area where God wants to meet you and empower you for. What's really exciting for us here at the Vine is that this really is what the river is all about. The River Vision is about everyone being empowered to encounter God in all aspects of our life, in everything that we do, every day of our lives, Monday through to Sunday. River is about growing our personal relationship with God and being missional in the places where God puts us, where we are pouring out our talents, our gifts, our energy, and time. This is why I am excited to announce to you today that we are launching a faith and work ministry called the Work Life Ministry. I'll tell you in a moment some of the plans we have for this ministry, but first. Let's take a kind of high-level overview of what God thinks about work 
is work even God's idea? If it is, why do we have these Sunday blues, these Sunday scaries, and what's the purpose of work? So let's define what we mean by work. When I talk about work, what I mean is energy that is purposefully used, whether it is physical or mental, whether it is paid or unpaid, to meet the needs of yourself, others, or creation. So that applies to those of us who have a paid job, but it also applies to those who are involved in any unpaid or volunteer work. The energy spent here at the Vine volunteering, that is indeed included in what we're talking about today too. It also applies to parenting, whether you're a full-time stay-at-home mom or dad, or you have a job on top of parenting. Studying is also work, so it applies to students too. And to understand what God says about work, let's start at the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the Bible begins with God at work, with him using his energy purposefully to create, to bring about the whole creation. And we know that God worked to create humankind, create us, and to create relationship with us. He works to give us everything so that we can flourish. Later, on the sixth day, Genesis 1.31 says this, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. It was like on the sixth day, God took a step back, reviewed his own work and thought, this is not bad, good job. There's a sense that his work brought him contentment, fulfillment, joy and satisfaction even. Then on the seventh day, God stopped and rested. So God himself limits himself to six days of work and one day of rest. So there's a limit and a rhythm to working and resting that we are called to observe. We can't just keep going, Ellison. And because God created us in his image, Imago Dei, which means we are called to reflect God, we are therefore called to work. We are actually designed to work. Work is in God's original design and we aren't meant to be doing nothing. God designed work so that as we work in partnership with him, we feel that sense of fulfillment, satisfaction, and we flourish. So what is our work meant to achieve? What is it meant to be for? Genesis 1.28 says this, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every creature that moves on the ground. So we are called to have dominion, to govern under God's authority. These are words actually that describe how kings in the Old Testament are meant to govern. So we are mandated to act as kings over creation. We are expected to manage creation, to develop, to progress it, to care for it and to sustain creation. Then in Genesis 2.15, it says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So we are also called to serve humbly, to work with diligence, to work hard so that we protect, we guard, and we keep what God has already started. The word work in Hebrew is related to the worship of God. 
So if we put these two things together, what that means is that we are called to define the world we find ourselves in, our culture, our society, to take the goodness of it, to keep it, sustain it, and to also shape it into what God would want it to be. We are called to be diligent in our work, in what we do, and also to care for people. And so God invites us to work as a steward of his creation, to bring about God's shalom. The shalom, that means God's goodness, his peace, his wholeness, his flourishing in all areas of our lives. And that includes ourselves, our relationship with others, and in also what we do. So in work terms, what God has charged us to do through our products and services that we produce is that we serve others and we contribute towards the flourishing of his people, of his creation. And we do that out of a worshipful heart towards God. So God speaks about both the nature of work and the action of work. And what this means is that what we do matters, how we work matters, the way we do it matters, and the tasks that we do and how we treat others matter because it is meant to contribute to that flourishing. In this way, good work has both extrinsic and intrinsic value. It has extrinsic value because it brings some value to something or someone else, and it has intrinsic value because work is good in and of itself. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? It's important to know that that is God's design and his heart for work. But we know in reality work isn't quite like that. Work isn't always a complete source of fulfillment and joy because if it is, we wouldn't have those Sunday scaries. So why is that? Well, we know that the fall happened. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God and to know both good and evil. So they took things into their own hands, rebelled and sinned. And what this means is that Adam and Eve's sin brings punishment from God. And this punishment is felt everywhere and has an impact on the most fundamental areas of their lives, including their work. The ground that they were called to take care of and steward will now produce thorns and thistles. Work after the fall becomes more difficult, more challenging. It, it, it becomes a place of struggle as well as a place of joy. And that's where the stress, where the anxiety comes from. And it's not only the work itself that becomes hard. Our own sinfulness means that we are prone to making work into something that God doesn't intend for it to be. Instead of seeing work as an avenue of service, of worship to God, we sometimes turn work into something that is purely for our own selfish good. Perhaps we wish that we can avoid work altogether or we can crave the wealth, the power, the status that a job gives us, and we run after those things. The thing is, those things in itself are not a bad thing. A good job brings money for us. It provides for our needs and for the needs of those who are dependent on us. It is a way, actually, that God provides for us. It's good and it's God-ordained. But it becomes an idol if we use those things for our own advantage, maybe to fill our own worth, or we base our identity on the wealth, on the power, on the status. Or if we choose a profession that we think 
is far more respectable if, as a parent, you forced your children to choose certain professions over others, not because you think it is better suited to them, but because you think that that prof profession brings better stability or brings a, the family a higher status, it brings in more money, then we've taken God out of the equation of work. Idols in our heart ultimately don't fulfill and can leave us feeling hopeless. So it's very important to know that work itself is not the curse. It is the curse that came from the disobedience that caused work to be difficult. But God didn't leave us in that mess. God's intention all along is that his kingdom would come. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer that Pastor Louise talked about a few weeks ago. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray these words. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This kingdom of God is the claim that God is the world's one true God, the one God who would reign and rule in a new way, that he would undo all the sin and the mess that we are in, that he would save us, rescue us, and undo all injustice in the world. It would bring peace to every part of our world. There would be no more hardship in what we do. That would be gone, and there will be peace in our hearts. Shalom would be restored. And we see in the Old Testament that God chose a special group of people, the Israelites, to bring about this shalom. He chose them that through them the whole creation would experience this shalom. However, we know that they rebelled and sinned against God too, just like Adam and Eve, and this shalom didn't fully return to earth through them. So Jesus came to us and Jesus himself says that this kingdom of God had begun in him. Jesus says this shalom would come back through him. And what's really fascinating is that Jesus says that through him, life would be restored to what it was like before the fall. There would be an ease to life, to all that we do, to our work, just like the times before the ground was cursed. But Jesus didn't leave us with a finished kingdom. He didn't come and fix everything, did he? He died on the cross and his followers were left thinking, well, what about this kingdom? We don't quite see it. But what Jesus did through his death and resurrection was that Jesus opened up a way for us to partner with God so that us and God together, we would bring this shalom And just as the nation Israel was chosen, we are all now the chosen people. We are chosen to bring about the kingdom of God. And one practical way God invites us to bring this about is through whatever area of influence he places us in. And work is one of those areas. In a crazy way, as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, God is saying, like God says to you, you know, when you go to work, when you do your work, what I want to do is that through you, through your work, you bring my peace, you bring my shalom, my mercy, my justice to earth, to your team, to your company, to Hong Kong or wherever you're watching this, so that as you do that, you flourish, those around you flourish, your company flourishes and our city flourishes, creation flourishes again. 
that's the tremendous calling that every Christian has, that God would trust us and task each of us to do that, to bring his kingdom, his flourishing to the world. The thing is, this isn't going to happen if we go to work and we keep God out of our work box. If we leave God at church on a Sunday, if when you finish watching today, you say, see you next Sunday, God. This can only happen if we allow him space to be with us on a a Monday when we go to work. When we make room for God in our work and ask for him to be with us at work, he will absolutely do that and meet us there. And whenever God meets us, he molds us, he shapes us so that we look more and more like him. And when we do that, we flourish and then we can bring that flourishing about. Work then is a significant context for communion with God in that God is with us when we work and work is a vehicle for growing our relationship, growing in our intimacy with God, growing in our obedience and faith. What I mean by growing in obedience is that if we take Adam and Eve, their first test in the Garden of Eden as an example, they were tested with whether they will trust God, trust what God said to them. The serpent tested them and said, did God really say, this is not good for you? You know, the challenges that you face at work are actually challenges for growth in your relationship with God. Because if you are tested at work, if you're at work and you're thinking, should I do this? Is this okay? Is this ethical? How should I respond to this difficult person? Ask for God's help and God will absolutely show you the way. What that means is that we then have a choice. We then have to choose whether we will choose his way or our own way, whether we will choose obedience or rebellion. And God wants to guide you and empower you in your work. He he also wants to show you how he has gifted you, what talents and gifts he's given you, and he wants to strengthen you in your weakness. In this sense, work can contribute to our sanctification. And when seen in this way, work actually becomes an essential component of our spiritual growth and formation. You may not have thought about work in this way before, but it is true. Work is spiritual formation. Work is a place where we get to learn to partner with God's will and purposes, where we get to work out our faith with fear and trembling. Cardinal Wyszynski, a Catholic bishop, said this. Work is a sacrificial surrender to God at his bidding and direction. To accept work in all readiness to guide it toward the Heavenly Father is to express oneself with one's whole soul, a soul that is full of trust and loving prayer. So just like we saw from Genesis 1, he says that the central purpose of work is to cooperate with God. Christians who work with this purpose in mind are expressing their love and trust in God, using all that God has given them as a means of worshipping him. Our workstation then becomes our worship station. And Eugene Peterson, the late American author who wrote the message version of the Bible, says this, I'm prepared to contend that the primary location for spiritual formation is the workplace. 
So what does this mean for us now? This is an invitation from God to us. God is inviting us to offer our work with a heart full of trust and love and offer it back up to him as a sacrificial surrender. This is about an all-of-life discipleship. Our faith is meant to be lived out in all areas of our lives, outside of these walls, especially in our work. And we shouldn't be surprised if God takes us to places where there is hopelessness or even chaos, whether that means helping someone in our jobs, helping someone with their finances, in their education, in their job search, or if someone needs legal assistance. We can bring hope to these people through our work. When we each do that, we become that single drop. We usher in the kingdom of God. We are the ones who bring hope, bring love, bring this renewal, flourishing and transformation to our city. This is exciting and gives meaning and purpose to our lives. This is why we are launching the work-life ministry. So let me tell you about a few things that we have planned. We would love for you to join us in some of these things. First, you've already heard it mentioned earlier today that we are launching monthly online lunch and meet calls. It's starting next Wednesday, the 24th of March. The aim of these times is to explore together. How can we practically apply what God says, everything we've heard about today and more? How do we apply that in our lives? What does that really look like in real life? So once a month over a lunch break, we will hear work-related testimony, a little bit about what the Bible says about that topic, and then we'll have some time to talk about how we can do that in our lives. Next Wednesday, our launch of our luncheon meet, we have one of our congregation members, Alison Chan, who is a leader in the e-commerce and retail industry, sharing her journey of how she discovered God's purpose for her in her work and how she seeks to honor God in her work. So that is this coming Wednesday. Join us. We also care hugely about those who want to work but are not employed. So we are hosting a one-off unemployment support group on Thursday the 29th of April. If this is you, this is an opportunity for you to share any challenges or struggles you are facing, be it on a practical or emotional level. We know that it is a loss and this will also give us an opportunity to listen, to come alongside you and hear how we can support you through this time. So these are the two things that are happening now. To tell you a few things that are happening later in the year, just very quickly, we are organizing a one-day joint church event on Faith and Work in October. We're also looking at running a short-term community group on work. So stay tuned for more details on these things. It's also on my heart to gather people from the same industry. Say we can get together those people in finance or in creative, in whatever industry. We can get together and, and, and this time we really want to hear from you what you think is best. This could be a chance where you meet other Christians in the same profession, or it could be a chance to talk about industry-specific things and a chance to pray for you and anoint you. So I welcome your input. Please tell me what you think would be best and most beneficial for fellow Christians. 
I would also love to hear your stories. What's your experience as a Christian in your workplace? I'd love to hear from you too, especially if you are already engaged in some faith and work activity in your workplace. Is there anything we can do that I can do to support you? The way to get in touch uh, is on the toolkit. My contact details are on the toolkit. So let me tell you about the Faith Connect Faith and Work Toolkit that we are launching today. These are some immediate first steps that you can take. Under the action step, I point you towards a website. We've only covered a tiny bit about what the Bible says about work. So if that is something you would like to learn more about, this website, theologyofwork.org, would be a great place to start. We would also love for you to start building spiritual communities or spiritual friendships at work. Even if you don't meet at work physically, but you meet somewhere else, spiritual friendships with whom you can discuss your experiences at work is a great way to think through how you can follow Jesus in your workplace, especially if you're feeling isolated or lonely in your work, as Pastor Andrew prayed today. Do consider starting that. You can also dive into some daily devotions about work. There are some suggestions on the toolkit, some devotions on the version Bible app or on Bible.com. Then in the Going Deeper section, specifically for those who do want to host a group that explores the intersection between faith and work, be it at work or in a community group, there are five different resources that we have mentioned there. So that's what's in the toolkit. That's gone live. Check it out. Lastly, I'd love to share a little bit about my own journey with work. In my own work over the years, I've been in Christian ministry. I've worked in the business sector. I grew up in Hong Kong, so my roots are here in Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong. And then I went to the UK for high school, university, and started my working life in London. I was really settled and had no plans of moving back to Hong Kong. And then in 2016, as I was working on setting up my own business in London, I heard God say completely unexpectedly, lay down London life, I'm calling you back to Hong Kong. Not only did I feel called to lay down my work, a business that I thought God had directed me towards, but the call was to lay down my friends, my church, my community, my whole adult life that I had known. It was honestly one of the few things that God had asked me to do in my life that I didn't know how to say yes. It felt so big and so overwhelming that I didn't know if I had the strength to do it. I did manage to move back and I moved back with no plans whatsoever. I didn't know why God asked me to move back apart from helping to take care of my parents who are in Hong Kong. It was terrifying. But fast forward to five years to today, I am honestly humbled and honored that I am part of this amazing church, an amazing team, and never did I dream that I would have the opportunity to be launching our work-life ministry and to be talking to you about something I am so passionate about. What I'm really looking forward to is to wrestle through those work challenges together, to celebrate the victories together, 
And even though work can be challenging, I know God is with you in your work. God will be found in your work if you make room for, heart, for him. My heart is to come alongside you so that you can be that powerful single drop in your office, in your workstation, in your home, in your school. God has a purpose for you and I can't wait to see how each of us will flourish and what God will do in our city when we work this way. That's the hope that God has for us and the hope that I have for all of us. This is audacious. It's exciting. So yes, even as I invite you to join in on this ministry, I really would like to pray for us that we would each in our hearts individually respond to this call of God to make room for him, to surrender our whole lives, our whole work, and to partner with him in, his, in our work. So let me pray. Father, we thank you for this tremendous call, this tremendous invitation that you would trust us to bring about your kingdom, to bring about your flourishing to the people around us, to our work, to our city. And God, I pray that we would respond now to you. We would respond with that heart full of love and trust. But I pray for those, especially perhaps, who do have a fear, who do, who do worry that, can I really let go? Can I really trust God? I pray, God, you will show them your goodness. We pray again for those who are feeling isolated. If, it's, if that's in the work, we pray, God, that you will bring those communities, those special people to them. We pray for anyone, you know, if they do need to come to you and repent of making work something that you didn't mean it to be. And we pray for anyone who perhaps does feel really burnt out at work, does feel tired. God, may your spirit calm, rest on them and refresh them. And lastly, we pray a blessing on each of your work. We pray that God would anoint you as you go to work. And so now let's take some time to respond to God. Just really take some time to connect with God during this worship song.